0: Thank you for tuning in to Game Investing Radio. Hopper here to answer a follower's question coming from the Facebook Game Investing page. Thank you very much. Shout out to Jay. Do you feel there are any niches in the graded video game market that are still undervalued? For example, PS2, 2600, Sega Dreamcast, Key Games, Game Boy, etc. Originally NES is the 2,000-pound gorilla right now. What can we be picking up that's a good buy now? that will increase in value over the next few years? I had to think about this for several hours. It's a very complicated question. And theoretically, Jay, here's what I'll say uh, overall, because someone might be listening to this in another country, in another time zone, in another era. Um, I don't know what your situation is as a listener, but theoretically, if we're in a bull market, that is generally all prices are rising, everything's undervalued compared to future value. If we are in a bear market, that means uh, the bear is hibernating and prices are dropping, people are selling, that means everything's overvalued. So if you believe the market is generally in a bull market or on a bull run, which I believe uh, graded games have been on a bull run for uh, quite a few months now, even though we're seeing corrections and pockets of uh, softness, um, generally Um, you're going to be okay because uh, if you hold out two, three, four, five years and, uh, you know, you buy low, you should be fine. Now, the real question is when you say undervalued, are you saying undervalued for today? In other words, can you buy pieces today and flip them tomorrow for a profit? Um, Or do you mean undervalued as in the market? Doesn't value it very much today, but you expect it to go up tomorrow. So there's two ways to look at this. The, the easiest answer is buy low, sell high. And there's two ways to look at that. Focus on what you can control or focus on speculating what you don't know. Uh, For example, what you can control is stuff like not paying sales tax, setting up uh, your entity or your investment vehicle in a no-income tax state or a no-sales tax state or offshore, setting up a nonprofit corporation, stuff like that. And then there's stuff that you can't control, like economics, presidential elections, uh, tax capital gain changes, tax code changes. I'm usually talking about America, but if you're overseas, it could be VAT changes, like the UK, leaving the EU, that changed all, you know, some people are paying 20-30% on importing their graded video games. I just shipped a, uh, a graded video game over to Australia, and I understand the old rules for Australia were, I think, up to $1,000, there are no taxes. Uh, I don't know if that's still true today, but each country has their own thing. And when you're talking about taxes, let's use an example. Let's look at something that I believe was undervalued on Monday. And I think Monday Heritage Auctions, I believe there's always one or two pieces that are undervalued. Now, the question is, which one is undervalued, which one is overvalued? God of War. Um, I think overall, in a bull market, your best... Uh, piece to buy would be an 8-boxer. An 8-boxer is Catalyst, rare, scarcity, nostalgic, popular, iconic, significant, and historic. I think God of War checks a lot of these boxes. Catalyst, if God of War goes into digitization and becomes the main Sony property forever, um, because Sony just released the the first digital console ever, the first PlayStation going all digital ever, uh, you can bet God of War is going to keep going into the future, that could be considered a catalyst every time you have a new uh, update coming up the pipeline. So it does check the first box. And the two boxes, Jay, that tend to get overlooked by the collecting community are catalyst and scarcity. Generally, gamers and collectors focus on rarity, nostalgia, and iconic. Um, The other... Wild cards are popular, significant, and historic, and that depends on the generation, whether you're overseas, American, what platform. I don't have time to go into all the gaming and collecting uh, nuances. I want to stick to buy low, sell high, whether you're in a bull market or a bear market. I think we're in a bull market now, and I do believe if you buy low and sell high or sell higher without a significant tax bite, You'll do just fine. So let's look at an example. God of War is a premier title, and I consider 9.6 and 9.8 investment grade. So if you type in 9.6 WADA, God of War, on Heritage, you're going to see four solds uh, ranging from $1,200 to $3,000. There's two variations. Um, That's another thing in the market. When you're looking for undervalued pieces, you got to decide, are you going to go first print or later print? Which one's undervalued? I'm looking at first print security label, which is the little peekaboo silver strip poking out on the right top side of the dark blue North American PS2 box. Um, two of them have it, two of them don't. Ironically, the highest sale for $3,000 was a standard release, which I consider second or later print. And the uh, second to lowest that went for $1,200 uh was also a later print. So let's throw those out the window. The one that sold a few days ago, late 2020, we're also having a correction now in most games. Um Pokémon, sports cards, games, coins, the $10 million coin couldn't sell. Um it's soft. The stimulus has run out. I would say late 2020, finally we're seeing some softness. Um I understand in sports cards that bubble popped maybe October and everything except in basketball for example, everything except Jordan came down. Even Kobe, even LeBron. He went on to win a world championship and um that didn't even help. So we're finally seeing some softness. So here's a good example. God of War 96A. It sold for a thousand dollars. Now assuming you paid no sales tax, you paid twenty dollars shipping, you bought that for ten forty. Um July 10th, which is, I guess, is that four months prior, it sold for $2,640. So it sold for uh, over 2x, 2.5x. Which one's undervalued, Jay? Um, is the $1,000 piece undervalued or was the $2,600 piece overvalued in the bubble? I would say a little bit of both, and you have to make your call there. You have to make your call. You have to say, "Well, 2600 is overvalued. What would undervalued be?" I thought somewhere around half of the 9.8 range. I said, "Well, 9.8 is probably worth 3 grand. So, if you can get in a 96 at less than 1500 net, that would be what I would call undervalued." Um, because if the 98 climbs to 5 grand or 10 grand, the 96 should follow it halfway. If it goes to 5, the 9.6 should go to 25. It already sold for 26. And uh, it could go to 5 if, if the eight goes to uh, 5 figures. So how do you actually make this work as far as a net gain? Now, let's, uh, let's talk about the things that you can control. Let's assume you either have a nonprofit corporation or you have a sales tax certificate filed with Heritage. You can do that with eBay, Comic Connect, Comic Link, I assume. So you're not paying sales taxes. You're minimizing your shipping costs by getting an insurance policy yearly that covers all incoming and outgoing. Um, So you're not paying extra insurance to move these pieces around. Um, Let's say... uh, Let's say you bought it undervalued at a thousand, you sold it for 2500 on Heritage. Immediately multiply that times 0. 0.8 for the uh, fee, you're down to two grand. Um, then let's say take off a hundred for in and out shipping, you're down to 1900. Um, then you write off your cost of goods sold, which is a thousand because uh, you actually set up an entity, either sole proprietorship, LLC, corporation, nonprofit, something like that. You write off the cost of goods sold, you're down to 900 profit. And now, let's say you're a wealthy investor, you're paying 60% income taxes, capital gains, whatever, business taxes on top of that. Um, Maybe you got a corporation, maybe you're paying less. So really, it all depends on taxes. Um, The 900 divided by the 25, that's 36% profit, even though you sold it for 2.5x. So you see how taxes, shipping, insurance really is, that's where you can do undervalued. That's where you can buy low. Buy low by controlling what you can understand and uh, take care of. Um, Basically, there are several ways to make sure that you're buying below cost. And I would generally say this is arbitrage, often confused with arbitrage. Um, that basically means looking at eBay, Comic Connect, Comic Link, Mercury, Amazon, Walmart, Heritage, and comparing all the prices and coming up with your own market value and then setting your bid below that. And that automatically guarantees undervalued. So um, buying low is, is quite easy. If you do the work, put up you know, put up uh, some paperwork, spend a few hours setting up your company, get a spreadsheet, you can control your costs. And I think that's really the most important thing to focus on, is focus on what you can control because you can't control the market. But I know everyone loves speculating and gambling. Uh, I do myself. Um, you know, you, you said niches and platforms and uh, increase in value over the few years. So... That's a lot different than technically undervalued. But in the stock market, I assume that most people when they say undervalued, they're talking about today's value, today's acquisition cost versus a future sale. And in the stock market, you don't really have to pay any fees. There's no shipping, insurance, in and out, uh, storage fees, uh, buyer premiums, you know, you can take a little bit of gain. And this thirty-six percent minus the income taxes that a two and a half X turns into, you can do quite easily in the stock market. So, when you say future value, where are you selling the piece? Is it WADA? Is it VGA? Which platform? What's the buyer's premium? I just uh, I just cut a check to Comic Connect, five hundred dollar deal. The shipping fee was seventy-six dollars. That was uh, outgoing shipping, including insurance, one way. So, uh, what is seventy-six dollars divided by five hundred? That just ate up 15%. So I have to sell that at 15% plus a 20% buyer's premium to break even, plus outgoing shipping. So right there, you know, you got a, you got a 2x on pieces really to, to meet this undervalued criteria. In a few years, where are you selling? Okay, let's talk about what you can control what you can control on the selling side. You can control where you sell the piece. If you're gonna sell the piece legally, um A couple things you can control would be the fees, the shipping, the insurance, and the taxes. I think if you can minimize all four of those, you're doing great. I mean, that's the best you can do. The other option is to go black market and uh, reduce fees as low as possible, uh, possibly pay no sales taxes, no income taxes. I'm not condoning that type of uh, transaction, but it's happening every day. And I think that a lot of investors are actually not running their books correctly to see if they're actually getting gains. When I'm talking about gains or I'm writing on the blog or Instagram, this is all legal gains. After taxes, shipping, insurance, and fees. So when you're saying in a few years, I'm assuming you're going to sell this um, as an entity. You have a business set up. You're going to write off the cost of goods sold. You're going to write off your home office. You're going to pay sales taxes, income taxes, and whatever. Then you're going to need pieces that do 2x, 3x, 4x, 5x, right? So is that undervalued today? No, it's not. You're not going to find any pieces for half off, uh, one third off, one fourth off, one fifth off compared to tomorrow throwing it up on eBay or something. And if you're going to throw it up on eBay, you know, you just hack off 20% and then hack off up to 50% in income taxes, business license fees, county property taxes on your desk, whatever. Um you know, being an honest businessman and an honest investor is very different than the black market. Um, But the things you can control, I say, are worth it to spend a few hours each learning about shipping, learning about insurance policies, learning about storage, um, and of course, learning about taxes, especially sales taxes, because that right there can hit you for 10% in, 10% out, Um, 20% is a killer, because on top of that, you got to pay income taxes. So, Um, speculating on the next few years, the other avenue, rather than focusing on what you can control, shipping, insurance, fees, platforms, um, you know, the place that you're going to do the deal, uh, you can speculate on the stuff that you can't control, which would be catalysts, and those can be negative, those could be positive. And uh, Once again, the eight-box system, number one, catalyst, number two, rarity, number three, scarcity, number four, nostalgic, number five, popular, number six, iconic, number seven, significant, number eight, historic. You want to check as many of those boxes as you can, control your costs, and pick a catalyst. Let's say you say a few years, so we're talking three years down the road. We're talking a new administration, third year. Uh, the next election is looming in the United States. You got to think about all the negative and positive catalysts. Where are you going to sell the game? Where are you going to sell the game? I mean, what platform are you going to sell the game? What state are you going to have your business in? Uh, what tax code are you operating within? Um, I think that's all bigger than PS Two, Two Thousand Six Hundred, Dreamcast, Key Games, Game Boy, etc. I think collectors tend to focus on platforms because they're really focused on rarity, and I think rarity really doesn't matter if the item isn't scarce. And the difference between scarcity and rarity is supply and demand, which is the same as buy low, sell high. So if you want something undervalued, you want to get something that people don't think is rare that ends up being scarce. Um, I think the best place to start is the best-selling video game franchises of all time. Top of the list, you got Super Mario, then you got Tetris, I think Grand Theft Auto's on there, God of War's probably on there somewhere, um, a lot of the Marios are on there somewhere. Um, in other words, not the rare titles, but the titles that were produced in the millions that will create future demand. So if you're looking out three years, Jay, who's your target? Who are you selling to? Are you selling to a 35-year-old in the States? that's uh, you know coming into money for the first time in, his, in his, his or her life? Are you selling to a baby boomer that's 75, uh, looking to get into video games as a hobby? Uh, are you selling to my generation, someone that grew up with uh, early Atari, that is looking to do a hobby into retirement? Or are you selling to the meat of the market, which is the millennial generation, somewhere around uh, eight to ten years old when the NES dropped and black boxes would be the holy grail. So I think if you check all eight boxes, you figure out who your buyer is, then you focus on the catalysts that you you can't control, but you can predict. You can predict, okay, there's going to be a presidential election in four years. You're thinking two or three years. Okay, that means there's going to be a presidential campaign coming in the pipeline, probably with tax changes, economic impact. You got to think about the economy. You got to think about taxes. You got to think about states. What state are you in? What state is your business in? There's uh, quite a few no-tax states, no income tax, no sales taxes to help you there. Um, Just remember big companies that are buying, selling, uh, you know, games like Amazon makes $5 of every hundred, you know. Uh, these big Walmarts and these big companies, they make two or three bucks for every hundred they bring in. So if you're netting 10%, you're doing very well. Um, so undervalued uh, compared to the next few years, who are you selling to? Let's just pick one of these. You said PS2 is the first. Let's pick PS2. I just mentioned God of War. It checks a lot of these boxes. Um, I personally know buyers coming to the market right now. They're either something like 20 years old It seems like they're 35 or they're about 45. Uh, Those seem to be the three three general markets I'm seeing today. So if you look forward in three or five years, you're talking about a 25-year-old, a 38-year-old, a 48-year-old. What would they want? Well, I think PS2 speaks to the 35 to 40-year-old. What did they grow up with? What are their iconic titles? What are their popular titles? What are the nostalgic titles? What are the significant titles? What are the historic titles in the PS1, PS2 timeline? You definitely want to stick with first prints, high grade. That's white security strip atos, uh, across the top with a little peekaboo silver PlayStation holographic seal, which guarantees your authenticity pretty much. Uh, if it's an water case certified, then you're all good. Um, scarcity is really what you're talking about. And I can't give you an answer today, Jay. Um, I can tell you what I've bought and sold over the last uh, ten years. Um, I can tell you that I've bought and sold thirty thousand games sealed, and the fastest moving stuff is reasonably priced. And it's a big franchise. You know, it's a big franchise like a Harry Potter or a a Mario or a. You know, a big franchise. And what I mean by franchise is multiple games coming out regularly to stoke demand. And we would call those positive catalysts. But you also have to keep in mind if you're speculating on stuff you can't control, economics, taxes, um, you know, stimulus, which might be positive, it might be negative. We don't know. Um, demographic changes, uh, real estate moves, people moving out of state, changing things in local markets. Uh, eBay rule changes, new platforms coming online. Uh, you know, Mercury selling limits. Let's say you're trying to sell a five thousand dollar piece, you can't sell it on Mercury. Um, you know, unless you build up an account. Uh, you know, it gets complicated if you want to do this as a business. Um, straight investing, I really think stick with the eight boxes and look for the catalysts. Uh, I'll mention a few catalysts. Um, Super Mario World. Okay, that's going to open February in Japan. Let's talk about global demand. What if you're you're what if you want to look at undervalued pieces in the global market? What if you think Famicom is undervalued? What if you think that historic is actually going to incorporate true first print someday? Well, then that means everything out of Japan really is undervalued that came before the American release. There might even be European exclusive releases. I don't know much about that timeline, but there could be certain pieces that came out early in Europe or uh, Japan, or uh, it could even be like the Hong Kong uh, Tyson cartridge, for example. That's an Asian, an Asian thing that wasn't even produced in Japan. Maybe that'll be considered scarce by the market. I can't tell you what's going to be scarce, but the two, the two boxes that are getting ignored usually by the collecting community and the newbie and the general investor uh new money that comes in from cards, coins, comics uh, I got a guy coming in from garbage Pail kids and uh you know people coming in from all areas and that's one new that's one one thing that you can count on today that I don't know about tomorrow is new new blood that's another catalyst, but really catalyst and scarcity are the two secrets to predicting and speculating the future um I think that. Looking at it from a broad perspective as a Sony executive or as a Nintendo executive or a Microsoft executive, you might want to listen to my episodes where I went over Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo, where Sony and Microsoft are clearly pivoting to digital now, and Nintendo's pivoting back to physical by rolling out characters and worlds into universal studios throughout the world those are four big catalysts universal studios japan hong kong hollywood and florida four big catalysts for the entire nintendo library um and uh on the flip side if you're talking digitization and you believe that in three years there won't be any physical games well then it's a whole new ball game um now you're talking about uh banking on catalysts that come out digitally and cause a future gamer to go, hmm, I grew up with uh, PS2, you know this title. Sony's only doing digital only now. I think I want to get into collecting. What is the one chaser piece or the early piece I want to get into? And that's the person you want to think about. You really want to. You want to put yourself in the in in the shoes of the buyer the investor, the future collector, the gamer now that becomes a collector or investor. So I think there's undervalued pockets and niches everywhere. I think uh, overall, study the Wikipedia best-selling franchises of all time. I will make a podcast episode on that very soon. Uh, Make sure you know, uh, for example, study Tetris, and you'll notice that it's number two all-time on the franchise list, and it's been downloaded and, and played digitally more than physically. So if you believe that Tetris is going to survive digitization and keep going in multiple iterations, multiple catalysts, and future generations are always going to love that game, and the people that were eight to ten when they grew up with the Game Boy version, or the Nintendo original version, or the Tetris uh, two version on SNES, whatever, will gravitate towards those as collectors, investors in the future. So really, when you say niches, I would say franchises, and then pick the three companies. And uh, diversify whether you want to bet on physical with Nintendo and those characters and worlds, or if you want to bet on the franchises that survive digital, Um, you know, your Wolfenstein, your God of War, your Halo, uh, study Sony and Microsoft and where they're investing their money. For example, Microsoft just spent $7.5 billion uh, buying Fallout, Wolfenstein and a bunch of digital gamers. Those gamers have yet to buy a WADA or VGA game, I'm guessing. Uh, they spend a lot of money on digital. They game all day long, but they have not bought a WADA or VGA. What is the first piece they're going to buy? What I've noticed from my experience buying and selling you know, thousands of games, maybe only buying and selling a hundred or a couple hundred uh, graded games, is the first piece that people buy ten- tends to be a nostalgic piece it tends to be a piece they grew up with somewhere around the 8 to 12-year-old range is what I've noticed in the market so far in 2020. So really, once again, the 8-box system covers all your bases. If you want to play both sides, focus on what you can control, shipping, insurance, storage, taxes, setting up correctly, And then speculate on what you can't control by focusing on the catalysts that you know are going to happen. For example, Universal Studios Japan announcing that Mario Kart The Ride is going to go live. People are going to start riding Mario in February of 2020. So that cannot be a negative for Mario, right? The question is, can that balance out something like a new administration, gridlock, in the white house a new tax code coming down possible capital gains changes uh the business small business credit tax credit going away all these things are going to affect your bottom line so i don't know jay are you an investor are you a collector are you a business owner are you doing this through an entity um is this a hobby thing are you going black market those things are probably going to affect your bottom line a lot more than just speculating on undervalued pieces But once again, to summarize, you can find undervalued every day on the market. If you work hard and you scour, uh, eBay, Heritage, Comic Connect, Comic Link. um, I buy games every single day undervalue, And it's hard work. You just have to be online, you know, eight hours a day and and follow the market. And there's niches everywhere. It could be PS2. It could be vintage. It could be modern. Um, I pretty much buy and sell every single platform from pretty much NES and up. Um, I have stopped buying Atari because the pieces that I want, I can't find. The pieces that I think are undervalued, uh, I don't see come to market. And those, to me, are the ones made in Silicon Valley. Um, So that would be early Atari. uh, It would be made in USA. It would be Atari before Warner Brothers crashed the company, uh, when when Atari really was uh, peaking in the golden age. Um, something like a, uh, a breakout original, you know, that's just the basic title. Um, I think I'm just speculating right now. This is my opinion. This isn't, i just want to wrap up with a little fun. The fun, the fun for me is looking at the eight box system and weighting each of the boxes right now. Catalyst is really weighted heavily along with rarity and nostalgic, but I think scarcity is undervalued. I think historic is undervalued. I think in the long run, maybe not in a few years, but maybe in 10, 20, or 30, because I have 18-year-olds contacting me that want to buy video games for their retirement. So they're buying pieces for 40 years. And I'm I'm racking my brain how to do a podcast on that. That's going to be fun, and I'll do that soon. But uh, it really depends on when you're going to sell it, how you're going to sell it, where you're going to sell it. But I believe that historic generally in collectibles, is undervalued in the early stages because people overvalue nostalgia. They think that everybody wants the games that they grew up with. And if that's so, why would people buy uh, 40s comics, 30s pulps, or whatever? I don't know when the pulps came out, but I'm just talking the early stuff. Why would people buy 50s baseball cards? Uh, Why would they buy uh, ancient coins or... Like the $10 million coin, the first silver dollar, something they never, you know, they never spent in their life. They never put through an arcade or a slot machine. Like, you know, when I was growing up, I actually saw silver dollars in Reno in the slot machines. I was too young to gamble, but I actually saw them. So I gravitate towards those. But people buy art from hundreds of years ago. They never, you know, they don't paint. They never uh, watch the painter. They don't know much about the painter. So I believe overall the eight boxes again catalyst, rarity, scarcity, nostalgic, popular, iconic, significant, and historic. I believe in late 2020, historic is undervalued. So rather than focusing on a niche, um, you know, what is a historic PS2 title? What is a historic 2600 title? What is a historic Sega Dreamcast? For example, Sega Dreamcast. Uh, NBA 2K1, full disclosure, I have a 988++. I think that is undervalued. It's the first 2K game for the NBA. There is no PS1. There is no Nintendo. That's the only one. It only came out on Sega Dreamcast. For me, that's historic. That's significant. Um, No, it wasn't popular. People didn't play it. No, it wasn't iconic. So that's where you start speculating is when you, Jay...